Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 253 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, I'm talking with Rebecca Faringer, recently named to the Cyclocross World Championship roster. She'll be competing in Fayetteville at the upcoming World Championships, and I think this this was a bit of a surprise for everyone that Becca was on the roster. So I figured I'd uh, give her a call, and we chatted about her decision to accept the invitation to race at Worlds and how she's been doing since her concussion that happened way back in September and also about her future plans. Before we get to that conversation, I want to tell you about uh, the Wide Angle Podium sponsor, which is Endura. Enduro clothing, uh, cycling kit, top-notch kit. Hopefully you've seen it. You can go to endurasport.com to see their full line. And one of the interesting things I'd love to tell you about Endura is that they're taking steps to reduce their environmental footprint. And they've planted more than 2 million trees at their base in Scotland and also abroad over the past two years. So tree planting, just one of the ways that uh, Endura is making sustainability happen you can uh, once again head over to endurasport.com to find out more about these efforts and on top of that on top of that if you use the code wideangle20 you'll get 20% off your next order so you can learn about all their sustainability efforts see what a good conservation minded company they are and also get 20% off it's a win 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 while we're talking about Wide Angle, head over to the Wide Angle Podium. Check out all of our shows. I think Zach just released a new episode of Nowhere Fast. Kevin Bouchard Hall just destroying it on the online racing. So I'm sure there are stories, story time from KBH on there, as well as all of the other hijinks that those guys get into on Nowhere Fast. Also, Criterium Nation has a great series about crit racing and lessons learned that you should check out and a lot of cool stuff planned for the future of that show. They're breaking news over at the Slow Ride Podcast, so make sure that you check out everything going on there. And I'm about to post a new Grodio episode too. Amanda's talking to everyone in the gro- in the gravel world and they're great conversations. So head over to wideanglepodium.com, become a member, support the shows, if you donate, you can you can select which show you want to support on the network. All of your support goes to helping us continue to put out this content. Okay. It's episode 253 of Cyclocross Radio. We're talking to Rebecca Faringer. And we're doing that right now. Becca Farringer, it's it's been a minute. How's it going? It's been a long time, Bill. It's going great. I, I think Kings, King CX, probably the last time that I saw you in, in person. Yeah, yeah. That was the last time I saw any cyclocrosser in person, I think. Yeah. And just to I don't I don't want to bring up the, <laughs> the the past, but I am gonna bring it out. Yes, I do. I do. So let's just, you know. Weekend one, go cross, had that crash, hit your head. Yeah. Suffering with concussion symptoms since then, 
kind of tried to come back. Where where are we at now? Or what, you know, what's what's been the process since that was, gosh, what month was that? Was that September? That was September. Okay. Yeah. That was mid-September. Um, you know, I knew I was concussed when it happened. Um, and I think the problem is I got a concussion last season as well, pretty early on. So it was just two concussions within a year. I, you know, I, I tried to go through, I was already on the road. We had those U S world cups. Um, I kind of thought a week of downtime and I'd be good to go. Well, I was sorely mistaken. I didn't, I didn't have bad symptoms when I continued to race, but, um, I definitely had symptoms and I wasn't getting better. So when I decided to take the time off after Kings, just after I did like a little bit of nothing, well, actually I took a week or so off and then I did Iceman, which is, which was not worth doing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I took enough time off to let the symptoms really kick in and uh, started seeking like actual help and going to therapy and taking some meds and yeah, started to, to realize how, how bad off I was. <laughs> it's amazing how sometimes it takes, you know, turning on the light switch to figure out how dark it was. Um, yeah, started, started getting better. So symptoms are, are on the decline and I'd say they're not, not totally gone, but emotionally and mentally I'm in a better spot. And I used to have headaches every single day. And now I'm, I have maybe one small headache a week. I was thinking about you with this whole, I don't know, it's like completely different circumstances but with like what Vanderpool's going through you know and his his injury and 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 it just seemed like he was I I am I'm a you know highly trained athlete I can basically play through this and and I can do it and it finally took what I'm sure is a very hard decision to say I need to just shut this down and I, I'm sure you're the same way I mean you had ambitions for this year you you know you had that great into gosh was it 2019 that european yeah. 20 220 mm -hmm. right 2020 you were in europe and and, yeah. and and just sort of feeling feeling like you were coming into this season with something to prove that, that's just got to add to it that just making that decision i, I can't even yeah. imagine yeah it was a bummer like because 20 the 2019 2020 season was so good and then the 2020 22 season or 20 2021 too many 20s uh you know i was based fully in, in Europe. And I think dealing with like the emotional stress of, of COVID and being away from home, plus the concussion, uh, I was kind of flat that season. It, but, you know, I actually think I walked away from my European season with a lot because my body was kind of keeping, holding me back. So I could like see lines and take them better. And I wasn't just like crazy squirrel running into you know, different features. I was like, Oh, if I like ride real smooth, I can clean this section. And, uh, so I think I, I took away a lot from that and was looking forward to applying 2019 fitness with 2021, you know, sort of mindset and clarity and yeah. And then I got, <laughs> I got rolled back to square one. <laughs> so right, right. Uh, present day, you know, have you done the, the types of efforts now, like in your training to, to prove to yourself that yes, you know, you're not getting headaches. You're not feeling those, those, um, symptoms anymore. Uh, well, frankly, I thought, um, I thought after not racing for a few months, I would be ranked well outside of, of where I needed to be to go to worlds. And with, you know, the U S season ending, whenever it ended, uh, in mid December, I wasn't 
planning on racing bikes at a high level until the gravel Grand Prix stuff started. So I haven't been doing really hard efforts on the bike. I've been doing like cadence drills and long rides on the trainer. Uh, and my threshold heart rate has been skate skiing and uh, backcountry skiing. It's really funny when I backcountry ski, my heart rate is lower on the climbs and it's higher on the downhill. <laughs> Because I'm just scared out of my wits and, you know, it's just explosive efforts just doing box jumps. So, you know, the, I had some talks with uh, Jesse Anthony talking about where I am like emotionally and physically. And I said, I'm pretty sure I can do the work, but I'm going to do, you know, some good test efforts in the next week, week and a half. And if I start to experience symptoms, immediately going to tag in first alternate sunny, uh, if, you know, there's always the chance that I get to game day and experience terrible symptoms and need to make a decision then it's a little late to tag in the alternate, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we left it that there's the opportunity for me to tap out if I'm in over my head, but, you know, so far with where I've been, it's not the physicality that causes symptoms. If anything, it's too much like engagement and excitement. So (laughs) I just need to reel that in on world's weekend. (laughs) Nice. Okay. And that's, I, I think that's the, the confusion that we saw, especially, I mean, social media is just insane and, and frankly stupid, but, uh, um, with, you know, you making the team and people being like, well, she's not even racing. And, and I, I didn't want to engage in this, but I'm like, well, just knowing from, at least for our own Devo team, the conversations are done privately before anything is announced publicly. So yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like yesterday you were like, Oh my goodness, I made the world's team. I mean, this was, these, these were conversations that were already taking place before. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they definitely, you know, so USA cycling in the mud fund has been contributing to my betterment through this concussion, uh, helping me get linked up with doctors and the mud fund even allows for, uh, team USA athletes to get some sort of stipend for, um, any sort of like health related thing that they might be experiencing. So uh, they contributed to some of my uh, therapy, which was really important. So there's been a conversation uh, between me and Jesse and people at USA cycling ever since I first hit my head, you know, he's just always checking in and keeping me a part of the team, which has kept me engaged and sort of optimistic about my continuance in the sport. So, you know, when he saw the cry, you know, the qualifications and saw I was still in it, he did approach me and said, you know, where are you? And it's funny, a couple of weeks before I'd actually reached out to him and said like, Hey, I'm in a better place. If like you or any of the athletes need anything from me, uh, like mentorship or whatever, like feel free to reach out. And I was like, I'm finally in a place where I can be not focused on myself, but like focused on other people. So, uh, I think me having that conversation with him saying, I'm ready to be engaged with the community again, uh, allowed him to feel like he could reach out to me and say like, look, you are in the qualification. Do you want to race? Like, do you think you could be at least 60%, you know, do you think you could be competitive, um, at the level that, you know, the rest of the people in your qualifications are at? And I said, yes. Yeah. I mean, going back to that, I think that's really great to hear and something that, that should be highlighted that, you know, we, we think about the mud fund and also just USA cycling foundation and what's trying to be built. And it always seems like it is, is something that the, the, the goal in the end product is performance based. And just to, just to know that there are resources out there that are are given to athletes that, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a, a, a team and community, 
uh, feeling to it. And I, I, I like that that's something I didn't know. I didn't know that that was going on. So I think it's really great to highlight that, that some of, some of the resources, some of the, the donations that we as the public are making to this aren't necessarily going just to a podium. I mean, that's, that's obviously yeah. an end result, but, but there's more to it. And that's, that's, that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that that's an important thing to get out because they, I mean, any organization experiences a ton of backlash, but USA Cycling always does between the, you know, crappy website and questionable decisions and where are the funds going? And there are, you know, there might be some changes that need to be made. There are always going to be improvements that can happen, but they are doing good things. And I felt, um, I haven't felt alone, which is important because, um, a symptom of concussion, it could be depression in between needing to, you know, like kind of being held back from where I wanted to be and then needing to step back that just exacerbated everything. And it's been really nice to, you know, like have support from who I felt I was abandoning, which is, you know, Team USA or the cyclocross community. So yeah, it's been great. Yeah. And that whole, I mean, there's so much going, I mean, between the, the concussion, I, I think not just for you, just for, for many of us out there between having something like that, but on top of that, the pandemic, not being able to train, not being, feeling isolated. I mean, it's such a yeah. hard time mental health wise that it's, it's just, it's, it's something that I, I, I think that people want to ignore, especially athletes. Cause as just as the same thing as the example I was giving before that it's, it's something that everybody thinks that it's the right, you know, the, the thing you're supposed to do is just fight through it or whatever else. And that's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of dumb at a point and that just gets you, gets you into a deeper hole. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess the 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 other the other question that's out there, you know, you talked about Sonny, you talked about Sonny being the alternate, and mm -hmm. and what I found, I don't know, I I feel like people just want to build these narratives out of whatever they want to see. So they see yeah. Becca, they think Becca's not racing. They see Sonny didn't make the team. So right there, it's like you two are the two interchangeable <laughs> parts, even though there's yeah, this yeah. there's this whole other team out there and that I think if you look at where you are in in the qualifications where you are I think you're still 62nd in the world uh head to head versus people on the team you more than earned this spot so that that, that was I was just like I don't I, I'm not <laughs> sure where this where this animosity is coming from well I I outright asked Jesse like who goes if I don't go and I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing for me to ask. I mean, if it was, it's a little bit different because now we have the U23 field and the junior field. A few years back, it was just one women's field. And there was like, why aren't we including more youth and they'll never get a chance. And so it's a little bit different because no matter what, it was going to be an elite woman uh, who would be, you know, first alternate. Uh, and I was like, you know, if it's somebody who is rising through the ranks, I might be like, you know, maybe I should just sit this one out. Like, who am I to take this spot? And I'm like, honestly, at this point, it's me or it's Sunny. And I don't want to display Sunny. I think Sunny has shown that, you know, she deserves to be where she is. She's dealt with injuries the past few years as I have. And I think she like, you know, hurt her ankle pretty badly at, get, at go across. And <laughs> she was sort of held back for a couple of weeks. And I mean, I love Sunny. And it's not about like, do I want to go or does Sunny want to go? It's about like, well, Honestly, in terms of looking at how will Team USA perform if it's me versus Sunny, I think with outright results, it's like, all right, we'll get like a top 30 or a top 20 between the two of us, right? But I felt like I was able to 
saying, yeah, I'm going to strive to perform at my best, but I'm not expecting to get a top 10. You know, if I find myself in the top 10, I'm going to fight for it and I'm going to fight to be there. But I'm looking at myself realistically and I'm saying I'm willing to give a lot of myself to the team right now. Like I'm not racing for myself. I'm racing for Team USA. And I would really like the opportunity to go in and help anybody, anybody else, any younger women, any younger men, you know, if they have questions on the course, if they have questions about the process, if they just need that person to look to saying, because I used to look at Katie Compton, like, should I be warming up right now? I look at Katie's roller. She's not there. All right. I'll just sit here and twiddle my thumbs, you know, sort of have that like seasoned thoroughbred in the race. And not to say that Sunny isn't that, but I, you know, I sort of want to put it out there that it's, I'm not racing for myself. I'm racing for the team. And if anybody needs anything, I'm willing to be that person. Like if Clara has a bad start and she wants me to freaking put out a thousand Watts going down the start straight for one lap, like I will burn all of my matches to, you know, let her draft off of me for 50 meters. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the thing too. And, and I think it's unfortunate that Sunny didn't get the opportunity, especially after a great nationals performance, you know, getting on yeah. the podium there. But, you know, that's, I, I think we see that year after year. There's always, there's always going to be disappointment out there. And that's, that's part of the, the drama of what we're going through right now with, with this world selection, which is always, yeah. always a big deal, which is another, another thing I really want to explore with you. Uh, Colin Reuter and I were sort of having this conversation on Twitter and off of it today about just, just what the, what is the importance of worlds is it, it, it more more than i want to you know get on the podium at worlds but you know is it is it a a financial thing is it uh sponsors will see me i mean and we all know the the state of of cycling and especially cyclocross right now and we're thinking does that even really matter so that's that's my question for you for me i thought it was like and it, it's like this is sort of the the olympics of cyclocross making a world's team yeah. is is basically the highest you can reach so as an athlete yeah. i see it as you know maybe this is the pinnacle this is the thing that you're you're reaching for but i don't want to put words into your mouth i really want to know what is it what is the allure of worlds and making that world's team you know it's it's an interesting question and i i feel like i'm on a lot of sides of it on any given year uh last year I just, I remember very specifically because I was doing the world's vlog and people said that they wanted to see like a post race breakdown. And last year I like, I know what I could have done on that course, but I stared at the freaking sand coming off that bridge into the sand. And I never crashed in pre-ride, but in the race, I like was like, don't crash, don't crash. So I crashed twice in a row and just hemorrhage spots. And, you know, I, I walk away disappointed as I walk away from, I think every single race. And, <laughs> and I, I just reflect and I'm like, what's the point? It's one race and yeah. It, okay. There's a lot of points on the line, but if you're not in metal contention, you don't get money. Like, and I don't know, you get points that could help you for next year it's in, you're not even in your trade team kit. So you're just representing USA and your sponsors, you know, you're still on your sponsored equipment. So your sponsors can still say like, look, they rode our bike, our tires, our wheels at worlds, you know, our components were represented. Or just saying that like our athlete that we are proud of as a human being made this, it is, you know, it's kind of like a show pony opportunity. And it's important to a lot of people in that way, representing their sponsors, knowing that they made the team 
uh, for some people, it might be like willing to represent USA, finally work as a team as cyclocross is usually an individual sport. Some nations get together and they train as a team and they have like team tactics and stuff. Uh, you know, if you're like the Dutch squad and you have eight women riding at the front, <laughs> you know, maybe it could be, it could be a little bit like that. Uh, but for me this year, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, I've been talking with my therapist a lot about like intrinsic versus ex- extrinsic validations. And I used to go for extrinsic validation of placing. Like I want to be top 10 in the world. It, now for the women, it's top 10 in the world in the elite category, which is still top 20 because the juniors and <laughs> 23s, you know? Um, but now I'm trying to look for more intrinsic validations. And for this race, it's a cool opportunity to be able to help people that are my teammates, not my competitors. If any Team USA person places in front of me, like I am stoked and I would be stoked if I could be a part of that. Uh, it's also an opportunity for me to close out the season and a chapter on my life, like getting to race on my own terms and in a better headspace. Because after the concussion, I was just, I don't know. It's like I was racing something that was just constantly running away from me and I couldn't grab it. And I was just, I was in a really bad place. So I, on a personal note, I need this race to sort of finish out this season in this chapter in my life of like, I know where I'm at and I'm ready to just do what I can do. And I'm not going to look around me and see who I'm racing and be disappointed. You know, I'm going to embrace it and and try my hardest, like mentally and physically and emotionally. So for me, it's not just like world. It is finally a chance this season to be in a good spot with where I am and put it all out there. Yeah. And just have some closure on the season, I'm sure, especially with the way it started. Yeah. So going, going through that, you know, you are one that doesn't always hide how you're feeling and you were, (laughs) (laughs) especially on, 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 social media and 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 you talked about I think your frustration with maybe not racing bikes in general but let's just specifically talk about cyclocross and maybe that you were done with the sport I mean has has that changed can you come back and be happy racing even if it's not maybe at the level you expect to race or uh, not to say that you're not going to get back to that top level yeah, but yeah. is 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 this something that you you still feel like you're done with or are you going to try to to come back and race competitively in the future uh well as as a company Kona wants us to do a lot of gravel racing so i know if i do a big gravel season um, especially I'm doing the lifetime grand prix and I, is the last race in August, September, October. I think the last race is in October. I feel like it goes um, all year round. Yeah. <laughs> Gravel is forever. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I want to put in the work where my sponsors want me to put in the work. Uh, and so for, you know, the, at least this coming season, it's going to be a gravel season and I know my body and I'll need some rest after that. And, you know, I I might be able to do a couple early season cross races, but it is like to be at the top level of cyclocross is a lot of work and a lot of money. And especially living in an obscure town on the West side of the mountains, uh, (laughs) it's, it's a lot of travel and, I don't see myself being dedicated enough to be on the road for weeks at a time after I've already done, you know, a lot of travel and work uh, for the gravel season. So I want to be a part of cyclocross and the cyclocross community. 
I don't think I can dedicate six months of my life to being on the road to racing cyclocross. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to pick and choose what I do. And, you know, maybe I'll talk with other teams or, you know, the Team USA or Mud Fund, and maybe I can get some sort of a, a role in just mentorship. And so I'm not trying to race at the top racing like two weekends a year. I'm not Katarina Nash. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if many people are. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, so I guess then the, the, the follow-up to that is, are you looking forward to racing gravel? Is it something that, that excites you? Do you see it as, as this new challenge? You spent so much time invested in, in being at the top of cyclocross and this is, this is a, a new direction. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and nervous, especially with the Grand Prix, you see a list of all of the people that you're up against. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm up against national champions, world champions, Olympic athletes. Like, what the? <laughs> it's going to be mountain biking and gravel riding. It's going to be, you know, at 10,000 feet. It's going to be for 200 miles. And yeah, it's, it's going to be super interesting. Um, the cool thing about cyclocross is, you know, you have a set amount of time that you're racing. And if you see something that's tricky, you can just like walk it. And I can't walk 200 miles. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it'll be exciting. I don't know. <laughs> if, if this then is kind of the end of cyclocross racing as you have done in the past, I, looking, Looking back on it, can you can you sort of give me some of those top memories that that stick out from from your time racing? Uh, my first trip going to Worlds in Beals Luxembourg, that was it was crazy. It was like a preface to the Hartford Nationals. It was just a frozen course and like steep plunges, a big off camber that I saw Stephen Hyde crashing on and then just butt sliding. And I'm like, Oh, great. I have to do that. <laughs> uh, you know, that was, that was definitely a highlight, uh, having the conversation and joining Kona and being teammates with Carrie, uh, that was, you know, looking back, it's probably the low point of my life, but <laughs> 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 no, uh, that was definitely uh, a big highlight. And I mean, 2019 getting second at nationals. And then I think the next race, you know, I was racing Katie to get seventh at Namur world cup. Uh, that's those back-to-back -back weekends or, you know, it kind of showed me where my weaknesses are and what I'm capable of at the same time. And I, I feel like, you know, I, never got the chance to, to build on it because by that point in the season, you know, I, I race, Carrie and I both race to our detriment. We race way too much. So <laughs> I definitely started to fade after that physically. And I had restructured how I was going to do the season in 2020, which we didn't get the opportunity because of, of COVID. Uh, so, you know, there's, I think, I think the pandemic sort of took the wind out of a lot of sales we'll yeah. put it that way, but yeah, a lot of highlights in looking back. So now kind of looking, being able to, look back at, at what you did and especially with that success that you had in Europe. I mean, you talk about that, that top 10 at, at Namur and other, you know, even higher up the standings in, in those races. What is it? This is a conversation that I think we have a lot. We talk about Americans trying to succeed in Europe and, and what it takes. I mean, what, what do you think it, it was that, that finally 
clicked for you or what do you think that if, if, uh, if there are aspiring American athletes, North American athletes who want to succeed in Europe, I mean, what, what is the key to, to that success? I think it's different for everybody. Uh, the first time I went over to Europe, like I was in top tens and C2s. I was just out of the top 10 in uh, the Valkenberg World Cup. Uh, it, and I mean, some of that was a little bit beginner's luck. I just had no expectations. And I do think that that is a part of it. Uh, the courses suit me. Like usually it's pretty power driven, uh, which is good. It's not, you know, just fast group racing. But the expectations are a lot. I think there are a lot of North American racers that, you know, they achieve the top of North American racing or they're used to the pointy end. And then they go to Europe and they aren't at the pointy end and they don't know how to race or how to overcome. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's, you're constantly fighting from the back. Even if you're at 10th place, you're fighting from the back. Like people will always be clawing at you from behind. And it's coming to terms with that, I think. And, not being afraid of the courses and not overcomplicating things. And you know, you kind of have to respect the courses, you know, you can't be afraid of them, but you can't, you can't ignore them. You have to be willing to run when you can, you have to be willing to commit to the rut, which is something that doesn't exist in North America. There aren't ruts in North America, despite what you may think. <laughs> yeah. I just, I saw that in, there was this amazing one in Herentals on the descent that I was just like spinning. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't take my way. I couldn't move from that position. I have way too many photos of it because it was just fascinating to watch people try to high speed, you know, having to hit oh, the, yeah. the exact middle of that thing, or it was just disaster. It is a, you know, 35 millimeter wide rut and you have 33 mil right. tires. <laughs> uh, and what's really funny is I, when I went to single ring, I wanted a huge range in my cassette because I'd never gone single ring. So I ran a long cage derailleur. The people making those ruts are on short cage derailleurs. So I tell you what, <laughs> I knocked in one race, I knocked my derailleur into crash mode twice in a row, hitting the same rut. And finally I was like, oh, I realize what I'm doing now. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Those little changes that you have to make. One, one of the things I think I saw over there that, I, I, this is again me just looking at it from out outside of the uh, the fencing. Is that the the North Americans I see who have better success? It's almost there. Almost seems to be this having too much respect for the fellow competitors over there, and and oh, and, yeah. and being deferential in in these races to to North Americans' detriment. And it's it's the it's the racers, and I think you you fall into that where you didn't really have that 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 you were going to you know not if somebody's in your way you're going to push them out of the way and I, I i see that that's that's like one of the things like once people get beyond that i feel like yeah. the success isn't too far away yeah in in north america we realize that we're human beings that generally need to go to work the next day and if we lose a place in a race maybe it's best if we don't run over the arm of our friend you know uh but in you know there not to say that people aren't friends, like everybody is, a lot of people are friendly outside of the, of the race tape, but once you're there, like it is just full stranglehold, you know, you're willing to elbow anybody and still, you know, our North American contingent, if we find ourselves near one another, we're always saying like, come on, you got it. Or, you know, hold my wheel or, you know, give you a berth to pass. I know I've told people before, like, Hey, it's me. Like, don't block me. I'm trying to pass you. And you know, th there, there's usually a little bit of door opening there. It's, I, 
would be really sad if a fellow North American closed the door on me. But I, I mean, it's racing, so I shouldn't be sad or take it personal. But, <laughs> but th- that actually leads to to another question. I think was is a, another key, and I was actually on um, uh, Van and Ham and um, Jen's podcast talking mm-hmm. about this, and they were talking actually about about Curtis White. And the, the thing that I noticed with Curtis is when everybody's doing their pre-race laps of the starting grid, he wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily just talking to North Americans. I mean, everybody's like having yeah. these conversations. He's in there and it's like, oh, this guy has been accepted in this community. You know, yeah. he's he's like showing up every week. He's a racer. They know mm-hmm. him. He's chatting with whomever. And I feel yeah. like that's another that's another key to this. It's just this this comfort not only of you being there, but of other people having you there. And and somehow that that allows you to have more success. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, once you gain the respect of your competitors and the fans, you know, and you actually get cheers, I think that does change things. Um, I think people, once they, I mean, it's kind of the same in North American racing, but not to like, as an aggressive degree, uh, you know, sometimes you're just the nobody American and you don't deserve to be where you are and people will shut the door on you. They're like, who get out of here. Who do you think you are? I can imagine Caroline saying that, but, uh, you know, once they say like, okay, I've been racing against you for three months now and you're always like right near me. So maybe we should work on working to get, not working together, but like, maybe I won't chop you right now. Maybe I'll lead you through this section and then you'll pass me and you'll lead me through the next section or, you know, just knowing like, okay, we exist together and there's less aggression once that happens, I think. Yeah. 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 You, me- you mentioned Carolyn. I think that's one of the things not having you out there is that those, those little interactions. And I think that that's something that everybody really enjoyed with you racing that, that I think we're, we're going, we missed this year to tell you, to be honest for half of the season and, and definitely we'll, we'll miss in the future. So that's, I, I think that you, you were a character out there and a, <laughs> and a, and a top racer. And, and those, that combination is something that really makes the sport that much more fun to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to, you know, know that our job is to be entertainers. I mean, you know, we want to perform and show that we're the best. Our equipment is the best, but also entertain and not take ourselves too seriously. I think that makes us more relatable. <laughs> So that that being said, then I guess the obvious question to ask you: What do you think about um, Jeff Kabush's take on the the entrance into the lifetime and and what the role of the athlete actually is? And especially, I think his concern was more on younger athletes coming up and if they should be concerned on performance versus uh, how many followers they have. Yeah, it's it's rough because I, you know in this time where I haven't been able to race, I also haven't been able to, I haven't been emotionally or even physically able to like provide content. So I'm like, okay, now where am I at as a modern day athlete? And, you know, having discussions with sponsors of like, well, you know, you don't need to be racing. You don't need to be training. Just maybe put up some content about what you are doing or, um, so it's nice to have an out to say like, when I cannot perform, I can have social media, I can have influence, I can have purpose. But that's like once you have achieved a certain level and once you have the support, you know, you have this dichotomy of performance versus influence. But when you're getting into it, where do you focus? And it is hard to focus on both guys. I will tell you that right now. You know, when 
there were a couple of races when I was doing my preview videos where I didn't wear the GoPro for my pre-ride because I'm like, I need to focus on this course. Like I can't focus on getting followers. And, you know, if you're getting into it, I don't know. I don't, it's hard to get respect from your fellow athletes if you are there with the most support because you have 30,000 followers, but you know, you're going to get lapped or, you know, you're not in podium contention. You know, there's, there's bitterness from other athletes. I'll just say it right there. Like (laughs) I'm not saying that those people don't do the work and it's weird. Like, you know, I think it's, it's cool if you do all of the training everyone else does, but you don't perform at the highest level, but you put out great products. Like, do you deserve that amount of support? I don't know, man. These are existential questions. I'm inside of it. I am in the machine. You can't ask me how it works. I just see this one cog next to me. <laughs> Have you been watching any cyclocrosses here? No. I've checked the results to see how my friends are doing. I've checked in with them, uh, you know, how they feel about the races or where they are. But uh, yeah, emotionally, it's just too much, especially on the courses that either I've been wanting to race them or I know them like the back of my hand. And uh, yeah, the the good news is once everybody moved to Europe, I felt a little bit less of, man, if I was there, I could have podium this race or I could have won or, and it was more like, Oh, I wish I wish I was having fun on that muddy course. And it was nice to miss the, miss the opportunity for fun and not miss the potential for an arbitrary placement. <laughs> For sure. And, and you, you got more time to, to be a dog mom. So how's that? How is that going? Uh, well, it turns out dogs need a lot of work. Uh, so so it's for the best. And some days I just want to sleep in and she comes and she lays her little snoot on the bed and she's like, are you going to wake up? And I'm like, oh no. And she puts her little wet nose on me. She's like, oh, come on, you should wake up. And I'm like, oh shoot, fine, I'm awake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it 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 sounds like you're doing pretty well, that guy. It's it's nice. I mean, I know we haven't talked a while, but uh it seems seems like um you're in a good place and um it's for the best that we didn't talk for a while. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see you see you in Fayetteville. You know, no matter yeah. how it goes, I think it'll be pretty cool to have you out there. And I I, I look forward to seeing all that content you're going to create. So much content. I am a content machine. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. This was it was it was really good to talk to you. It was fun, Bill. The Slow Ride Podcast, three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast, the titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast, the Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast, the arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast, when's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast, the experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.